142, Blessed Redeemer, 142, as we get started this evening. Up Calvary's mountain, one dreadful morn, walk Christ my Savior, weary and worn, facing for sinners, death on the cross, that he might save them from endless loss. Blessed Redeemer, precious Redeemer, seems how I see on Calvary's tree, wounded and bleeding, poor sinners pleading, blind and unheeding, dying for me. Father, forgive them, thus did he pray, him while his life blood flowed fast away, praying for sinners while in such woe no one but Jesus ever loved so blessed redeemer precious redeemer sees now I see him on Calvary's tree wounded and bleeding poor sinners bleeding blind and unhealed dying for me. Oh, how I love him, Savior and friend. How can my praises ever find end? Through years unnumbered on heaven's shore, my tongue shall praise him forevermore. Blessed Redeemer, precious Redeemer, See how I see him on Calvary's tree, wounded and bleeding, poor sinners bleeding, blind and unheeding, dying for me. Amen. And turn to 324, 324. It is glory just to walk with our blessed Redeemer. Amen. 324. It is glory just to walk with him whose blood has ransomed me. It is rapture for my soul each day. It is joy divine to feel him near where my path may be. Bless the Lord, it's glory all the way. It is glory just to walk with him. It is glory just to walk with him. He will guide my steps aright through the veil and o'er the height. It is glory just to walk with him. It is glory when the shadows fall to know that he is near. Oh, what joy to simply trust and pray. It is glory to abide in him when skies above are clear. Yes, with him it's glory all the way. It is glory just to walk with him. It is glory just to walk with him. He will guide my steps aright through the veil and o'er the height. It is glory just to walk with him. 
sure never from his side again to stray. To be glory, wondrous glory, with the Savior evermore, everlasting glory all the way. It is glory just to walk with him. It is glory just to walk with him. He will guide my steps aright through the veil and o'er the height. It is glory just to walk with him. Amen. Now let's turn to page 330. 330, a couple pages over. Why should he love me so? Love sent my Savior to die in my stead. Why should he love me so? Meekly to Calvary's cross he was led. Why should he love me so? Why should he love me so? Why should he love me so? Why should my Savior to Calvary go? Why should he love me so? Nails pierce his hands and his feet for my sin. Why should he love me so? Suffers for my salvation to win. Why should he love me so? Why should he love me so? Why should he love me so? Why should my Savior to Calvary go? Why should he love me so? There in my place, why should he love me so? Nothing withholding my sin to efface, why should he love me so? Why should he love me so? Why should he love me so? Why should my Savior to Calvary? Take your prayer list there. Anyone need a prayer list, hold your hand up. We'll have Brother Ted bring you on there. If, or, but, um, it, whoa. Somebody's been playing with the hooks that hold the pulpit in place. wonder who was doing that, Philip. But anyway... I went to push, and the whole pulpit started. It would have fallen right over. Uh, it wouldn't have hurt Peter any, but uh, it might have gotten Ruth in. I don't know. You okay? Okay, good. All right. So that's one of the reasons I want to replace this thing. <laughs> Somebody can come by and unhook it, and it'll fall over. All right. Uh, we've been praying for Bible Baptist Church under churches for several months now. And uh, some of you will remember the story there uh, 
uh, they were actually in danger of, of losing their building and having to close down and, and uh, quite a few things. I talked to the pastor uh, Friday afternoon and uh, he said the church uh, began to turn the corner this past summer and they're doing very well. In fact, that's the same church that uh, John and Nora Danny are attending now. And uh, so things are going much uh, much, much better. So we're going to take them off the prayer list, put them on the praise list. Amen. And uh, we had a good attendance this morning. Not quite sure what the exact count is, but uh, we had a uh, good attendance. Any other praises to put on the list? Uh, we're getting work done in the basement, tearing things up in good order. Uh, just pray we get things put together this week. Amen. And uh, anything else? been a slow week okay Paul okay provisions and fellowship amen any other praises yes yes Mariana's back okay amen brother Ted amen Rita. Yes, a little sickness passing around there. Praise the Lord, they're getting better. And uh, am I allowed to give my praise prayer request Saturday night? Look your day. Okay, just wanted to get Franz's permission there, but. Uh, uh, something I want you to pray about, but this is a praise. Um, I guess it's been about seven years that uh, we've been praying uh, to be able to sit down and talk with Franz's father. And he's finally agreed to a meeting Saturday night, this coming Saturday night, a week from yesterday. So I want you to pray about that, but I just praise the Lord that the opportunity has presented itself. We've been uh, praying for this for a very long time and so just uh, we praise the Lord for the opportunity and in a little while uh, we'll be asking you to pray for that and uh, you know sometimes you just wonder how long is it going to be before the Lord opens doors but you have to be patient you have to wait and, and it has to be the Lord's timing and uh, it apparently is and so we just want you to uh, uh, pray about that, but I just want to praise the Lord that something is actually moving there. And uh, sometimes you pray and you pray and you pray and you pray and you just say, oh, the Lord's never going to do anything. Oh, yeah, He is. He does it in His time, His way, and we praise the Lord for that. All right, Brother George. Amen. Praise the Lord for eternal life. Now, Philip. I guess he is getting to the point of Stephen there. Now just sit down, or I'm going to sick your brother on you. All right. What? Amen. Praise the Lord for his forgiveness and his patience. And you got a couple extra hours after church tonight, right? Okay. Postpone the next week. Okay. So praise, he'll be late. He'll praise next Sunday, I guess got a few extra hours at the grocery store where he got laid off so um, all right anything else Leah 
Okay, so he's home for two weeks. Okay, I know several. So uh, we'll, we'll find him a good church in Jacksonville. So he got his reassignment then? What's he going to be doing? Okay, good. So, yes, so Felix has been reassigned to a different waiting area, and uh, he'll be going to school in a little while, but he's going to get a chance to do a little work. And so that's good, and we'll try to find him a good, a good church there in that area. All right, if that's everybody, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this night. We thank you for each one here. We thank you for the attendance. Lord, we thank you for answering our prayers for Bible Baptist Church. Lord, we thank you for your strength and your provision, your forgiveness, your patience, your love, the gift of eternal life. Lord, we thank you for working in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Frank? Amen. Let's stand and turn to page 334. <coughs> 334. Oh, say, but I'm glad. <coughs> There is a song in my heart today I never had Jesus has taken my sins away Oh, say, but I'm glad Oh, say, but I'm glad, I'm glad Oh, say, but I'm glad Jesus has come and my cup's overrun Oh, say, but I'm glad. Wonderful, marvelous love he brings into a heart that's sad. Through dark tunnels the soul just sings. Oh, say, but I'm glad. Oh, say, but I'm glad, I'm glad. Oh, say, but I'm glad. Jesus has come and my cup's overrun. you come to him with all your care, weary and worn and sad. You too will sing as his love you share. Oh, say, but I'm glad. Oh, say, but I'm glad. I'm glad. Oh, say, but I'm glad. Jesus has come and my cup's overrun. Oh, say, but I'm glad. Amen, and you may be seated. All right, take your Bibles tonight, and let's go to the book of Jonah in the Old Testament. Jonah, one preacher said it's a whale of a story. Amen. Jonah, strange little book in the Bible even stranger story, even stranger the fact that Jesus would pick the sour, disobedient, hateful, spiteful prophet to say he is the sign. If you remember on Thursday nights, he was the sign three days and three nights in the belly of the whale. Jesus would be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And uh, 
we're just going to go through the story of Jonah and uh, look at uh, three basic things here. And uh, uh, Jonah had an effect on some people here. He, he had an impact on the mariners. Jonah had an impact upon the people of Nineveh. Unfortunately, Jonah never had a real impact on Jonah. And uh, that's our outline tonight. We're just going to go through this thing. Now, the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare of and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now, most of us are very familiar with the story of Jonah. Um, is there anyone that has no idea who we're talking about here tonight? Just we'll, Because we'll move quicker if we... Uh, I think everybody's fairly familiar with this story and uh, we know that God sent this big storm and these poor guys who were running the ship were afraid and they began to pray to their gods and they started throwing the it says the wares out of the ship now those are those are the goods those are the things that they're carrying uh, I mean these people they didn't uh, just sail the ship because they liked to sail the ship they carried things on it they made money this was their livelihood and so they started casting in their uh, uh, their cargo what was going to uh, pay their uh, fare and and pay their salaries while they're losing everything they possess what's Jonah doing he's asleep isn't it amazing how callous, how callous Jonah could be to the loss of others? You know, we live in a world where people are losing everything, amen? They're losing their livelihood, they're losing their jobs, they're losing their purity, they're losing their minds, they're losing... Uh, their ability uh, to stand against addiction. It's interesting that when a person involves themselves in alcohol, drugs, pornography, any of these horrible addictions that are out there, that there is a part of the mind that those things attack. And the, the doctors, they can't figure it out, but it attacks the very part of the mind that has to do with making decisions and willpower. The very part of the brain that is most active when someone is trying to make a decision that I'm not going to do this anymore is the very part that all of those uh, dependencies seem to center on that part of the brain and weaken it. Do you think that's coincidental? Or do you think that just has something to do with the devil? And the way sin works, amen? And so Jonah's here asleep while they're crying and, and praying and throwing their valuables over the side. In verse 6 it says, So the shipmaster came to him and said, What meanest thou, O sleeper? 
Arise and call upon thy God. Now it's interesting, verse 5, they called upon his God, little g, little o, little d. But when Jonah, when they asked Jonah to call upon his God, it's capital G-O-D. It's as if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. And they said everyone to his fellow, Come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. You wonder if the Lord had something to do with that? Amen. I mean, here they are. How many people know what lots are? It's kind of like throwing dice or picking straws or any of those kinds of things. It was just a, a little thing of chance and Jonah was the one that came up and they said, okay, you're the cause. Tell us what's going on. Now, Jonah still had it all figured out. But let's look at verse 10 because this is what happened to the poor mariners. Then were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto them, Why hast thou done this? You know, the world doesn't understand why we as born-again believers of the Lord Jesus Christ don't serve Him. They don't understand that. They're looking for God. They just don't believe there is one or don't want to accept that there is one. But here these poor mariners, they said, Listen, if you serve the Most High God, why are you running away from Him? They couldn't understand that. He was, they were confused. They were afraid. And they said, okay, what do we have to do so that the sea will be calm? And Jonah said, I got it figured out. Kill me. Throw me in the water. You know, I wonder if he had said, take me back to the shore so that I can go to Nineveh if the storm would have stopped. What do you think? I kind of believe that it would have. But Jonah was so obstinate that he said, I'll die before I serve God. You better be careful. You just might not die. That's what happened to Jonah, wasn't it? I mean, we're going to read, he spent three days and three nights in the belly of the whale and figured out, hey, this thing could go on indefinitely. I'm, I'm not going to do this anymore. And uh, by the way, we'll, we'll, well, we'll get there in a minute. Verse 13, Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to land, but they could not, for the sea was wrought and tempestuous unto them. Okay? They were scared. They were confused. And they were exhausted by the time that Jonah was done with the mariners. Now, isn't that a wonderful testimony? I mean, Jonah didn't care a thing about anybody but himself. He had a real impact on these mariners. And they're praying to God saying, Don't lay this man's innocent blood upon us. And God said, Don't worry. I got it all taken care of. You're not going to be guilty of anything. And they throw him in the water and all of a sudden the water's calm. No more wind. Now look what it says. In verse 16, Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. 
I wonder if we might not see these mariners someday. Hope so. How about you? But was it really Jonah's work that brought them to God? I mean, Jonah was, I guess, kind of responsible for that thing, but we would have to say they got, if they got saved, and there's some evidence that they may have, uh, that uh, it was in spite of Jonah, not because of Jonah. Amen? Oh, me would rather be a better thing here. Now, the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Look at verse 1 of chapter 2. Then, then Jonah prayed unto the Lord. Now, most of us, praise the Lord, have never had an experience like Jonah. But I remember reading the story of three men who were, uh, they were military men. This was during World War uh, II. Uh, they had a few minutes break and, and uh, they decided they were going to go exploring some of the lava caves there. And uh, one of them got real adventurous and said, let's go into the next room and let's go into the, and they got lost. And they couldn't find their way out. Now, in those caves, it's totally dark. And they had a flashlight until one of the men almost fell into a hole. By the way, they never heard the flashlight hit the bottom of the hole. They managed to grab the man, but now they were in total darkness. They figured they'd better not go in that direction anymore, so they turned around and tried to head the other direction. And it tells the story of these men, how that uh, there was no water, of course. It was lava caves under the mountains. They, they kept walking in one, one and, and going forward. And, and, um, and all of a sudden, the walls of the cave began to get exceedingly hot. And, and uh, one of the men there was a little knowledgeable. He said, we must have walked about two miles out into this area here in the, in the valley. There's hot spots out there, and we must be in one. Let's turn around and get out of here before we get cooked. And so they were wandering around in there, and uh, several times one fellow almost lost his mind, and, and it was literally one of those things you see on the TV where the, uh, the one fellow, they called him Doc, had to slap him around a little bit and say, you know, you're not going to go crazy and kill us too. Uh, you're just going to have to walk with us. And they were walking in there and they figured that they had to have been in there at least a day by their exhaustion and, and, and the tired level they were. So they laid down and tried to sleep and they got up and they continued their journey wandering around in this cave. They figured they had been in the cave close to three days and their endurance was running out when one of them saw what appeared to be a pinprick of light and they began climbing up a lava shaft and came out on the side of a mountain about a half mile from where they went in they waved and they got some attention of some other military troops there in the area 
they found they had been in the caves a little over five hours. But without a watch, without light of any kind, without any orientation, they in their minds believed that they had been in there three days and three nights. Now, the reason I tell you that story is I want you to think about how long those three days and three nights were to poor Jonah with no type of time orientation whatsoever. It was an eternity for Jonah stuffed into three days because he didn't have any idea what was going on God had finally brought Jonah to the end of his stubbornness. And Jonah, I am sure, if those three men who were in there, at least they could talk to each other, there is nobody for Jonah to talk to. Pinocchio hadn't been invented yet. Uh, he wasn't going to come rescue him. Uh, he was, Jonah was in that belly of that whale. I mean, you read the description there in the rest of chapter 2, and we're not going to take time to do that. Some people say, well, Jonah died and was actually resurrected. No. But I'll tell you, Jonah felt like he was going to die. But Jonah knew he wasn't going to die. That was the problem. I mean, he pinched himself. He said, I'm still alive in here. I'm going mad. I can't stand it anymore. He makes an interesting statement here. In verse 8, he says, or let's read verse 7. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came unto thee into thy holy temple. Look at verse 8. They that, first, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Now, if I was one of those animal people, I'd talk about the impact that Jonah had on the poor whale. But you know, God cared about that fish, and he took care of the fish, and there was no environmental impact on that poor animal carrying around that sour Baptist preacher. Uh, and and we, we know that God spoke to Jonah and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. And now God comes to Jonah in chapter 3 and he says, I want you to go to Nineveh. Jonah said, okay, I'm going. Um, and so Jonah rose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now, Jonah had an impact on the people in Nineveh. Amen. There were some things that happened. I mean, could you imagine what Jonah looked like after having been in the belly of that fish uh, for three days? I mean, normally what went into the belly of that fish uh, got dissolved and, uh, and uh, assimilated and became part of the fish. I mean, he got digested. Right? Could you imagine what all of those digestive juices would have done to poor Jonah's skin? And what he would have smelled like? I mean, there were other things in the fish's belly. It wasn't only Jonah. And uh, Jonah was in there for three days and three nights, and I'll bet it was three months or longer before Jonah looked like a human being again. I'll bet he was had some really white patches where the acid got into his skin and started uh, eating it up and dyeing him different colors. I'll bet his clothes were 
were partially in rags and torn on the teeth going in. I mean, uh, uh, and I'll guarantee he had to have a little green slime somewhere being in the fish's belly. What do you think? I mean, here comes this preacher walking in. Looks like something that came walking out of a graveyard. And he starts screaming in the in the city uh, to repent, or, or uh, what? No, he doesn't even say repent. Uh, it says, and uh, excuse me here, uh, verse four. And Jonah began to enter the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. He says, You guys got forty days to live. Forty days, and there's not going to be any Nineveh as he was walking through the streets. Now, the people of Nineveh, what's it say? Verse 5, believe God. We're going to see some Ninevites in heaven. Amen. They believed God, but not only did they believe, when you believe, there's always something that happens. If you believe and nothing happens, well, we better go see what kind of belief you got. Amen? If you believe, something happens. It says, So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For the word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast or herd nor flock taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hand, in their hands." Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away his fierce anger that we perish perish not? And God saw their what? Their works. But why did they do their works? Because of their belief. James chapter 2. Faith without works is dead. Remember old Martin Luther? He hated the book of James. Said it didn't belong in the Bible. That's why we're not Protestants. Amen. <laughs> uh, because he came from a Catholic church where everything was works. And so he wanted to make a new theology where everything was grace. Well, it is grace. Amen. But when you have God's grace, there's things that happen. You cannot separate what God wants you to do from your belief in God. That's one of the great problems we have today in modern theology is I can believe the God, I can believe God and, and listen to Him and, uh, and uh, I can be a great Christian and uh, skip, skip church and watch the Super Bowl. No. If you're going to be a godly Christian, you're just going to be where God wants you to be. Amen. You're going to do the things God wants you to do. The Ninevites, they understood that. That's why Jesus said they're going to rise in judgment with this generation and they're going to condemn it because they believed and they changed the way they lived. 
again, was that because of Jonah or in spite of Jonah? In spite of Jonah. And then we get to chapter 4, which, I'm sorry, is one of the most puzzling chapters to me in the Bible. I mean, I am glad that God is so patient. Because if He were any less patient, He would have raised Job up a day in a day and given him a worm and let him die like the gourd, you know? Uh, I mean, God's judgment should have been upon this nasty, shriveled up, hateful little man called Jonah. I mean, there's no other way to describe him, is there? And, and we have no evidence anywhere in the book of Jonah that Jonah ever got Jonah right with God. Do we? I don't see anything. I don't see any shred. In fact, when Jesus refers to Jonah, he, he doesn't say Jonah's going to rise up in, in judgment. He said the people of Nineveh are. He left Jonah out of the equation, all except for the fact that Jonah was going to be the sign. Because, uh, I don't know. I, I imagine once Jonah died and really went to heaven, he got things straightened out with God, don't you think? But... Poor old Jonah. Never allow God to have the impact on Jonah that Jonah had on the mariners and on the people of Nineveh. That's a tragic thought, isn't it? Jonah never enjoyed what the people of Nineveh and many of us believe those mariners on that ship enjoyed, which was a loving and simple relationship with God. Jonah was just so wrapped up in Jonah. Couldn't get over himself. You say, well, is Jonah going to be in heaven? Oh, I, I believe he is. I, I have no reason to think that he's not. But I wonder how many rewards and how many blessings old Jonah missed out on. You know, and as we look through this, Jonah had an impact on the mariners. They were confused. They were afraid. They were exhausted. By the time Jonah was done for them, they had no idea what was going on except they knew whatever God it was he was running away from, they'd better worship. When Jonah got to Nineveh, they took one look at him and listened to his speech. And they said, we better figure out something to do. This guy's not here to help us, but we're going to find God. And they all repented. They knew what to do. By the way, do you think if we went into any of the, the bars and the nasty places of this city and said, what would you ask the people in there? What would you do? What would you do if you wanted to find God? You know what most of them would say? Stop drinking, stop being mean, stop cussing, stop hurting people. You know, sometimes the unsaved world's got a better idea of what's going on than some of the people who claim to be Christians, huh? And that's what the story of Jonah's all about. That's why Jesus used him as a sign for the Pharisees. He said, you need to read the rest of that book, you Pharisees. God was willing to use Jonah in spite of his shriveled up hateful self and God will save you in spite of your shriveled up hateful selves. 
You say, Preacher, why are you going through this with us? I just felt that that's where we needed to go tonight. Nobody, we don't have these problems in our church, praise the Lord. But we need to look at what's going on in Jonah. Realize we live in a world that needs the truth, amen? And if we allow ourselves to get wrapped up in what we're doing and what's going on right here, we can lose track of what's going on out there. That's what happened with Jonah. And we've got people that we meet every day. Stuff a couple of tracks in your pocket. Amen. Give a smile. You know how many times people smile? And Have you ever noticed how few smiles there are in New York City? I mean, if you're handing out $100 bills, you get smiles. It reminds me of a story one time I was with a preacher. Oh, he, he thought he was one of those, uh, I don't know, God's gifts to humanity, I guess. And I don't know how many of you have ever seen them, but they make a little gospel track. It looks just like a $20 bill folded up. And he thought he was going to be a hot shot. And he's walking down the sidewalk. He says, watch this, guys. And he flicks it out of his pocket like he's playing with stuff. And that thing lands on the sidewalk. And another pastor and I are back a little ways. And somebody comes walking up. And he takes one look and he sees what it is and starts cursing. A blue streak. We got the other guy alone later and said, Boy, you showed him, didn't you? I mean, you really gave him the gospel, didn't you? I determined I, I'm not going to ever try to trick somebody into reading the gospel track. Amen? It doesn't work. He thought he was going to be really cool. He didn't feel so cool as he heard that man cursing the Lord Jesus and all of the things that the guy said. And uh, it was just a good thing that he didn't see who dropped the track or he'd probably been up in his face cursing right at him. But the simple truth is, you know, that's a Jonah moment, is it not? He was trying to prove something. He was trying to show off something. He was so concerned about himself. Oh, he had an impact but I dare say it was not a very positive one. And what we need to do is just simply love the Lord, love the people God brings us in. And when God says go, we just go. Amen? Just simply be obedient. Praise God, you don't have to be as mean and nasty as Jonah to learn from the book of Jonah. Amen? And we'll just go through this and, and realize that God will use us in spite of who and what we are. But it's a whole lot better when we're working with God and being used of God as we serve Him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for this time tonight. We ask You to work in our hearts. Lord, we ask You that You would keep us from Jonah moments, from getting wrapped up in ourselves or trying to prove something or trying to show something. But, Lord, that we would just be simple and honest and caring and obedient. In Jesus' name we pray. And before we finish that prayer, we'll take just a few moments.
And if somebody would like to come to the altar, spend a few moments. The altar's open, and we'll get into our prayer time tonight. <clears throat>